Amen. So let's pray as we get ready for the study of the Word of God. Father, we thank you that as we come before you today, we're able to uh, hear wonderful truths out of your Word that will enrich and enhance and enlighten us so that we can be better Christians, better followers of you. So for this, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor, and all agreed said, amen. So this is our final message on the topic of being thankful. Be thankful. And I hope that it's not the end of you being thankful, that you're going to continue being thankful for the rest of your life, because we have to do this. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's even in Revelations that at the end of time, we're going to be thanking God for all the wonderful things that he has done. He wants us to have a thankful, grateful heart. Amen. You know, your kids, you know, they walk around and they act like, you know, they, everything's so uh, discouraging and, you know, they're so despondent and they're not happy with things. You're like, come on, <laughs> be thankful. Have a, have a good spirit about you, right? Don't be so depressed and discouraged about everything, you know? Can I get a witness over here? Yeah, man, okay. <laughs> but that's why we do it. That's why we have a topic for a whole month, because that way it gets branded into our spirit, and we're able to live and do those things and, and make it a part of our lives. So we're going to conclude today on being thankful, and here's the three areas. We're going to talk about where we came from, who we are, and where we're going in Christ. Amen? Who, who are, where did we come from anyway? Where did we come from? Well, people ask me, what was your religious background, Pastor Chuck? Uh, my re religious background was sinner, okay? <laughs> I was born a sinner, I lived as a sinner, and I, I was going to die as a sinner. However, but God, amen. How many of you have a but God in your life? But God, who is rich in mercy with his great love wherewith he loved us, reached out and grabbed us. Praise the Lord. That's so good to know that God accepted us. You know, we think, you know, we got saved, right? We should be glad that we're saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Can you say that? <laughs> filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? It's, 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 it, it brings shivers, you know, shivers to you, right? You know, the Holy Ghost is not just like a staid person. He's alive, active. You know, the Bible says, out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen? So, you know, we got saved. Now, Marianne worked for a company, a Christian company. This says, don't say that. Don't say it like that, that you got saved. Say it, you've accepted the Lord. You know, how, how polite that is, you know, like you're going along and you just ask Jesus to hop along on the inside of your car and roll around. You know, no, no, no. He, he didn't hop along into your life. He is your life. Amen. Amen. He, he didn't come to uh, give you a, a, you know, share a ride with you. He is your ride. He is our every, your life should totally change when you meet Jesus. All of a sudden, your priorities change. You say, you know what? What must I do to serve you, Lord? What can I do to pay you back for the goodness that you give to me? You came and you arrested me and grabbed me and took me out of darkness into your marvelous light. I'm so grateful, Lord. What can I do for you? Amen. So we didn't need just a little bit of counseling. We didn't need just a little bit of tweaking. We didn't need uh, uh, just a little bit of, uh, of help. We were lost. We were going the wrong way, and God had to rescue us. He needed to overhaul us. Praise God. So that's the thing that we're, 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 uh, we're grateful. 
Now, I can't imagine what our life would be like if we didn't have the Holy Ghost, if we didn't have Jesus in our life. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Scarcely will a righteous man would you die for, but yet God commended his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He came to us. I can't imagine living without the knowledge of knowing that we are forgiven. I can't imagine living a life that uh, all of our mistakes are being held against us. Can you imagine that? Uh, no, I don't know. Can't trust you with that. You know how you messed up before? No, God says your, your past doesn't dictate what your future is going to be. He said, you can be a changed person. You can, you can revolutionize your life because I'm now on the inside of you, guiding and directing you. The past is the past. The future is what I've preordained for you to have happen in your life. I can't imagine a life where you're in condemnation all your life and shame for the things that you have done. The Bible says there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. What an awesome gift. Now, Christianity is the only religion that... You don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to work, you know, to get God's approval. It's, in, in other religions, it's do, do, do. I need to do this. I need to do that. In Christianity, it's done. Jesus said, it is finished on the cross. Everything that you needed to do, I already did it for you. Now you just need to receive it, walk in it, and enjoy the pleasures and the benefits that I've given you. That, to me, that's good news. Isn't it good news? Why are we trying to work so hard? He already did the, the work for us. Jesus, by grace we are saved, and by grace we move and live and have our being. Praise God. So this is a great love story. For God so loved the world. You know, you put that so love, because uh, he had a so love for us. You ever had a so love for somebody? They mess up, but yeah, you know, you make excuses for them. I so loved him, all right? <laughs> and that's what God did for us. Now, you've heard the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? Wretch. How many of you want to be called a wretch? <laughs> no. In fact, some modern songwriters wanted to change that word wretch. Can't we just put it in sinner? <laughs> no. In God's eyes, we were a wretch. Did you know? In the spiritual realm, we were no good. But the guy that wrote it, Isaac, uh, not Isaac Newton, John Newton, he was a wretch. He was a drunkard, he was a liar, he was a cheater, he was on the ship, he was delivering slaves out to, to, to another country, and he was drunk, and he fell overboard, and nobody liked him, and nobody wanted to even throw a life preserver after him. You know what they did? Charles knows, right? They got a harpoon, a whale harpoon, and threw it at him, and stuck him in the side and pulled him out. What a wretch he was, right? <laughs> then he came and realized, you know what? Maybe I, am a, maybe I need to get saved. So he got saved. You know, when, when we were out there in the world, let me ask you, how many of you got saved before you were 20 years old? Let me see your hands. Anybody got saved before you were 20? Pretty good, pretty good show. How about saved after 30? After, yeah, a lot of us, okay. After 40, anybody after 40? No, okay, Whew. okay, 30. <laughs> but because b before I got saved, I, I thought I was okay. I mean, in, in the, you know, the way of scales, I, I didn't do too many bad things, and I did some good things, but I wasn't that bad. I, but I just thought I was having fun. 
I didn't realize this was sinning against God. But then when I got saved, the light went on. I went, oh, my God, what have I been doing all my life? Finally, God touched me and got into the inside of my heart, and I said, God, I am so sorry. Don't come yet because I need to get some eternal blessings. I need to get some rewards. You know, i got to be kind to people and do, th do some nice things so I, I at least have something with me when I got into heaven. Who wants to get into heaven and say, oh, well, uh, you made it, but you didn't do any good works, so, but come on in anyway. No, we want to have something. At least get somebody saved and bring somebody along with you, right? <laughs> so that's, that's what I did. But the Bible says in Ephesians Let's look at this first slide. 2.12. That at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. And this is amazing. Having no hope and without God in the world. No hope and without God. You know, a lot of people are out there thinking that, you know, they're, they're doing okay. But the Bible says that they don't have God. And I have people that are atheists. I have people that have other religions, and I'm trying to tell them, I, know, I don't know who you're praying to, but you have to pray in Jesus' name. You have to be part of the family. I don't know what God you're praying to. <laughs> and we kid when we're playing basketball. He said, well, you pray to your God, and I'll pray to my God, and we'll see who wins, you know. Elijah did that. He said, you pray to your God, and we'll see if rain comes down, and, uh, and I'll pray, and we'll see what happens. But anyway, Whenever they try to do that, it seems like our team always wins. I don't know why that is. Praise God. So, <laughs> having no hope and without God in the world. But, let's see the next verse. But, but, how many have a but God? But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. How many of you have a but God in your life? He came, he came and interrupted your life, came and saved you. Even though he was watching over you, he was waiting for you patiently, waiting for you to come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and come into spiritual awareness. He was waiting a long time. How many of you have to wait for a long time for your friends, your family members to come into the knowledge of Christ? Amen? Some people I wait years and years waiting for them to come and, and come into Christ. But let's look at Psalms 113. Who is like God, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap, that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. I like that. you got to be kidding me that we were in the ash heap, we were poor, but God raised us up. He reached down and grabbed us from the dunhill. Isn't that good news? Now, this is a great love story, uh, you know, and everybody loves a love story, don't they? Ladies, don't you like it? Oh, just, oh, so sweet, so nice, you know. There's songs about love, right? There's movies about love. There's TV shows about love. People make a lot of money on love, right? And when we were growing up, we had TV shows that had the perfect family. You ever had those, seen those shows? Father Knows Best? The Ozzie and Harriet show, the Donna Reed show. I actually thought Donna Reed was my mother for a little while. I just pretended that's my mother. That's the way I want her to be. Then there was Leave it to Beaver, Dick Van Dyke show. Now, this is amazing how, you know, how unrealistic it is that Dick Van Dyke and, and, and the Leave it to Beaver guy would eat breakfast in a suit buttoned, right? Do you remember that? So, who eats 
who, with a suit, who eats breakfast with a dinner and a suit coat on and your, and your jacket buttoned? How many women vacuum in a dress with high heels on? I don't know. Anybody like that? The perfect, you know, situation. Oh, it's so lovely. Just wish that was that way. But now we're a Hallmark family. Hallelujah. We watch every show at least five times. I go, is this a new one? No, we've seen this one. We've seen them all. But it's a good love story. And you know how it goes. It's predictable. Girl meets boy. Girl doesn't like boy. Girl starts to like boy when he does all these crazy things for her. Then something happens. There's a misunderstanding. They miscommunicate. They don't understand each other. There's a separation, right? 45, this is after 45 minutes. There's only 15 minutes left to go in the show. <laughs> We're all traumatized. What's going to happen? This is not going to work out. Marianne says, just relax. <laughs> Comes back with five minutes to go, no hope in sight. Doesn't look like anything's going to happen. I go, Marianne, there's only five minutes left. Don't worry. But the guy's on the other side of the country. He's in Los Angeles, and she's in New York. How's it going to work? All of a sudden, they're together. Somehow, at the airport, they make a tremendous match. They make a, a declaration of their faith and love for each other. They seal it with a kiss with one minute to go. And this is what I don't understand. They, they have a crowd of people watching them. <laughs> And they're doing this romantic kiss, and everybody's clapping their hands. And even the kids are going, oh, that's so sweet. I have never seen that ever in my life. Have you? Yeah. You have. Yeah. Was people clapping? At the mall. At the mall. At, At J? <laughs> All right. <laughs> One time, exactly. <laughs> But, you know, it's predictable, it's reliable, it's safe. The love story you can count on, you can depend upon it, right? It's not like watching the Dodger game, okay? You never know what's going to happen. You put your hope and faith and trust in them. They drop the balls, they strike out, the pitchers give up home runs, and it has a terrible ending. We said, let's go back to Hallmark, okay? <laughs> we know the script, <laughs> But your script is written that there's a good ending. Amen. What did God say? I know the future that I have for you, to give you a future, give you a hope, give you a good end to your life. Amen? We just tap into it. So the greatest love story ever told is in Christ. You can't find this love in a song. You can't find it in a movie. You can't find it in a TV show. You can only find it in the presence of God. When you sense to know his love, you know you're accepted, you're wanted. He's, he encourages you. He's with you. He says, I'll be with you always, even until the end of time. What a glorious love story that is. It's a love worth singing about. It's a love worth shouting about. And yay, it's even a love sometimes that you can dance about. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, now this... Love is a relentless love. It's a passionate love. It's a sacrificial love that Jesus, he didn't have to come down and save us. He didn't have to come. He could have just stayed in heaven and said, well, they got their lot. But it's evidence in him coming. Now, you can't earn it. You can never pay for it. And you can't do anything 
but receive it. Isn't that good news? Yes. Now, let's look at the life of Jesus for a moment, will we? <clears throat> Here's a man who gave himself constantly, a man known for stunning acts of kindness, selflessness, loving others and caring for others. He was kind to children. He was kind to strangers. He was kind to believers and non-believers alike. He treated them all the same. He showed no favoritism. He reached out his hands to everyone. He didn't care if they had money or didn't have money. It didn't matter to him. He loved the person. He found something special about every individual in their life. Amen? Amen? We're doing a, um, a funeral for Kathy, Kathy Smith, who passed away just uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and I was writing a little sermon, and I was saying how she's so wonderful when she comes to church. She said, oh, pastor, you're such a wonderful pastor. You're such a wonderful person. There's no one like you. You're one of a kind. You're so special. <laughs> please, please say more. <laughs> so when I went to go visit her at her house, and she was, you know, passing away, going on home to be with the Lord, she was at peace, and she was talking about some friends that she knew, and they, she was saying, oh, they're so wonderful. They're so nice. They're one of a kind. They're so special. I go, hmm. I've heard that, heard that before. <laughs> but I found out that she found the good in everybody. She wasn't just fun in me. She was finding something in me and in others. And that's the way God is. He looks at us, the good that's on the inside of us. Praise the Lord. So Jesus, he was compassionate. He was committed. He was convinced that there's something special about each and every one of us. Isn't that good news? Now, he's the one... He pursued us when we weren't even looking for him. Isn't that nice? When, when you had come to the end of your rope, I know when I got saved, got saved, didn't accept Jesus, I, accept, I, got, I got saved from what? From the wrath to come, from my own self, from my own ways. I was uh, doing this thing called, um, we, we did a, um, a roller skating event. It might seem kind of silly to you, but I had this friend that could roller skate long distances. So he'd roller skate from the, we got this event, roller skate from the northern tip of California to the southern tip of California in 14 days. So what we would do is we each stop when we came into a city, they would run TV commercials or TV, um, what do you call it, uh, spots on us, you know. How exciting, these two young men. I was young then. <laughs> These two young men are traveling from the northern tip to Southern California to the, to the southern tip on roller skates, up hills and down hills and everything like that. Of course, we cheated a little bit, but that wasn't my doing. That's just the way he was. But anyway, we were on a lot of radio programs, TV programs. We quit our jobs and all of, our, all of our friends said, yeah, I saw you on TV, man, you guys look good. And they interviewed us, and we went to Angel Stadium. We met a lot of stars, a lot of people, and then it all just crashed because, of course, we weren't doing the right thing. So there I am in, in, in this motorhome that someone donated to us. I said, Lord, if you can make anything out of my life now, you can have it. I was 33 years old. He said, he just came into me and grabbed me and grabbed my heart, and I knew he belongs to me, and I belong to him. And from that moment forward, I never looked back. I never changed. I never stopped pursuing. But he pursued me. He was there for me, waiting for me all this time. 
And when I finally made up my decision to serve him, he was there with all of his love. He didn't hold back. He didn't say, you know what? You've been messing up for too long. Let's just put you on a trial basis, see how well you're going to do. He said, no, I'm just going to come in and give you all of me. Praise God. Amen. So he loved you when you weren't at your best. He loved you when you weren't doing what you were supposed to do. He loved you when you were in a certain place. And people will write you off. People will say you're never going to get past this point. They'll whisper about you. They'll talk about you. They'll text about you. They'll Facebook about you. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? But he says, I'm going to love you in the middle of your circumstances. I'm going to love you at your worst, when you're not doing your best, when you're not being exactly what I want you to be. He pursued us even when we weren't the best. He said, I'll make something out of you even when others don't believe in you. You know, you've heard the story about the Good Samaritan where the guy was... Uh, laid out on the road, some thieves and, and robbers came and beat him up, took his money, left him for half dead. And the good Samaritan came by and rescued him and lifted him up, put him on his donkey and gave him a place to stay. Who is that, good, who is that, that person that was beat up? That's us. We were wounded. We were discouraged. We were beaten. We were wounded. And, and God said, I'll pick you up. I'll lift you up and put you up on a, in a high place. Amen. Amen. So we have to reach out to people. We had an incident. Uh, I was coming home after we were decorating, and Rosie and Marianne were coming home. And we passed by this guy. It was late, like 5 o'clock, starting to get dark. There's this guy walking around our neighborhood at the corners. And we live in a nice neighborhood, but thieves like to come in, and they steal from our mailboxes, and they break into our cars, and they do all kinds of crazy stuff. So this guy looked like he was kind of staggering. I'm going like, oh, I'm just going to pass this guy by keep going, get into, get into the house, lock the doors. <laughs> so Marianne says, Marianne Rosie say, did you see that guy wandering in the street there? I go, yeah. Goes, Why don't you go and see if he's okay? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I might get stabbed. <laughs> Why don't you guys know? <laughs> so I... Got bold, and I said, okay. Macho man. Macho man. All I have is prayer. I don't have no, nothing else. <laughs> so I rolled, came by, rolled down the window. I go, hey, brother, how you doing? And he just looked at me. I go, you need some help? Or no, I said, um, is everything okay? He goes, no. I go, really? He comes over to the car. He goes, may I come to the car? I go, yeah. He goes, my girlfriend just left me off here three hours ago. She said she'd be back in five minutes, and she hasn't come back. I go, hmm, <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> Are you sure she's coming back? Oh, yeah, she's coming back any minute now. I go, How can you say any minute now? You've been here for three hours. So, well, the sun's going down, and she's a caregiver at this house over here. So we talk back and forth, and he goes, and that's not the only thing. I'm just lost. I don't know what to do. My life is a mess. You know, I came here on a football scholarship. I got hurt. Now I'm just out here. He's just in a T-shirt. And I said, well, you know, if you want to get your life back on track, you just got to put yourself in God's hands and ask the Lord to help you, and he'll direct you and guide you. You won't have any problems anymore. I mean, you won't have, you'll have at least direction. You'll have problems, but God can overcome them. And so he just looked at me. He goes, yeah. And I said, well, what can I do for you? And I was hoping he didn't say, can I come stay at your house? <laughs> Marianne would have loved that. <laughs> I said, ask him if he needs something. I didn't say invite him over into the house. Because he, he was on a little bit of drugs, I think, you know. And so he says, I go, 
do you need something to eat? He goes, well, I'm kind of, I'm so distressed, I don't even want to eat. I go, do you want some, you know, a coat or something? He goes, yeah, that would be good. So I went up to the house. <laughs> it's a funny thing when you're going to give somebody a coat and you know it's, you're not going to see it again. You're a little reluctant, you know, you try the coat on. No, this fits pretty good. I can't, I can't give him that coat. <laughs> you try another coat on. No, that's, Marianne's mom gave me that coat. I can't, <laughs> can't. So finally, as I go down the road, and this was taking some time, you know. <laughs> so I finally get to a sweater that I don't wear too much, but it is nice enough. So I get him a sweater, and then I get my favorite bread from Trader Joe's to give to him and, and a drink. And I, I come down, and his girlfriend had come back already, but he waited for me. And so I came, and I gave him the, the, the bread and the sweater and the drink. And he looked at me and goes, that's the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. He said, I've been out here for three hours and nobody has stopped or, you know, came by. I said, well, I'm a pastor. I have to stop. You know, this is the way it is. <laughs> and, and he goes, and my girlfriend came back. I go, praise God, looky, things are happening already. And he gave me this biggest smile. And so I made a difference. I was the good Samaritan. Praise God. And see, I don't keep track of these things. I got a God in heaven that's keeping track of these things. When I was naked, did you come and clothe me? When I was hungry, did you come and feed me? Amen. And God tallies all these things up, and when you get to heaven, you get rewards. You say, well, I don't need rewards. Well, you will when you get there. You'll say, like, oh, I should have done something. Praise God. So anyway, that's uh, where we came from. We came broken. I like the, the scripture that says we... God dwells with those that are a broken and contrite spirit. The more broken you are, the more, you know, uh, not thinking it's all in you, but you give yourself to God, he'll come and dwell in you. So then, uh, let's see the next scripture. Who are we in Christ? We know where we came from. Who are we now? We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? We're not just ordinary people. We are partakers of his divine nature. Did you know that? He said, I'm going to give you my name. I'm going to give you my essence into your life so that you can live life differently. Not the way that you see it, but the way I see it. With my power, my anointing, we are, our, we are ambassadors for him. We, we, we carry on a cloak of uh, ambassadorship. You know how you have those pictures where they wear these big long coats and this is the ambassador from wherever, Ethiopia or whatever. <laughs> you, you are an ambassador. You have a royal robe on you. We're workers together with him. Did, did you know that? God's saying, I need you. I need your hands. I need your mouth. I need you to go out and do some things. I'll work with you. I'll be with you. Just take a step of faith. We have the mind of Christ. Did you, we think the way God thinks. Praise God. And we're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are the sons and daughters of God. So as you study the word, you find out who you are. In Colossians 1.19, this is amazing scripture. It says, for it pleased the Father that in him, in Christ, should all the fullness dwell. So as Christ was in the world... God himself, God the Father, was in Christ. Well, that's pretty cool, but look what it says here. Next scripture. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and, I like that, and, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And when I started reading this, see, when I first got saved, when I first accepted the Lord, I wanted to know the Lord all the way. I said, oh my gosh, this Bible is his love 
story to me. It's all the ingredients that I need to know to live a life in him. I want to know all about him. How does he think about me? And I was so amazed that he loved me so much. And the Bible says we are complete in him. Complete. You don't need anything else. In him. We are complete because he is the head of all principality and power. He said, all authority has been given to me. Now I give it to you. Do you know who you are? You, 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 just, you can start walking like you know something, okay? You can do something. You have something. You know what you need. <laughs> what you say about that? What you say about that? No. <laughs> you had a line. You're supposed to say your line. <laughs> okay. What you say about that? <laughs> it's okay, sister. It's okay. It's okay. I can go on. Talk about it. That's what, that was her line. Talk about it, Pastor. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He has given us all power and authority in Christ Jesus. So when I, you're just spellbound. I know what it is. You're just like caught up. <laughs> We'll work on it next week, okay? <laughs> Don't give up. You know, we'll just keep doing it and doing it until we get it right. So when I first got saved, I mean, I don't know if you guys are this way, but didn't you want to know everything? When people would get up and they'd say a scripture, and I would say, where, where did you find Where is that? Isaiah? Who's Isaiah? <laughs> What's he got to do with anything? Oh, he's got a lot of testimony about what... Christ has, is going to do before it even happened. Oh, really? Yeah, he prophesied, and I saw all the things in there. Oh, wow. And then talk about Hosea and Jeremiah. Who are those guys, you know? And, and find out in the New Testament what authority we have in Christ, that we have power over the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt us. I was so caught up. I got on the front row, and I sat, you know, with my toes on the ground ready, just Teach me, teach me, show me, tell me something I don't know. I want to know more about Christ. I want to know the whole Bible right now. Amen? And so I would thumb through and find out things about the Bible, things about God. Then I could use them in my daily life. Doesn't that make sense? And, you know, I was talking to Charles while we were putting up the lights uh, yesterday. He goes, you know, Dad, I, you know, the Christians that I know at work, Christians I know around, they don't really know the Bible. I go, yeah, I know it's sad, but they don't know the Bible. He says, I, I seem to know after being with you in the house and in other churches, I seem to know a lot about the Bible and a lot of scriptures. And so if I have a problem, I know how to settle it. I know how to solve it because I know the scripture that applies to that situation. I just apply the scripture, plug it in there, and then it happens, yeah. right? God has made all provision for us. And so what, the thing is, when you're reading the Bible, sometimes it may not apply to what you need, or you may not think it doesn't, but during that week or during that month, you might have to be able to tell somebody or show somebody or minister to somebody or use it yourself. So you just keep re Find a love for God. Now, let me just give you this little illustration, since we have a lot of time. And uh, I was hesitant to do this, but... Somebody prompted me to show my base, baseball skills, you know. So, uh, so I, before I loved Jesus, I loved baseball, right? Oh, so I, I was at the library, and I was just reading things about um, 
about baseball. And I used to play left field, so it showed in there that when you catch a ball and you want to throw somebody out at third base, you don't just stand flat-footed, catch the ball, and then take a running you know, steps and then throw the ball. What you're supposed to do is, if you think the ball is going to come here, you step back three steps, and then you, when the ball comes, you take a, take a advance, and then you throw it like that, right? Pretty easy. So I said, yeah, that's pretty good. Maybe I'll use it sometime. Maybe I won't. And sure enough, the next week, we're playing a league championship game. And I'm playing left field. There's a man on third, man on second. And they, I, no score. And I know if these people score, they're just going to keep on scoring. I know that's the way they play. So they hit a long fly ball out there to left, left center field. Long fly ball. And you just look at it like, there is no way I can catch this ball and throw that guy out at third base going to home. No way. But you know what in my mind I said? I have put too much into this to let something like that happen, even though I don't understand it with my own mind. I said, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to catch that ball. I'm going to throw it. And I don't know, maybe something will happen. Maybe he'll trip. Maybe he'll fall. Maybe he'll miss the base. I don't know. I, I just got to grab it and just heave it as hard as I can. Even if it's five bounces, maybe it'll reach into home plate and we can tag him out. I said, okay. So I went over there. I got positioned. I go get, I think it's going to drop right about, right about here. So I go back, take my three steps. And then as I'm running, I find out the ball's really going to drop right here. So I catch the ball here on the run, and I throw it. And one thing you have to know is when you throw it like this, with backspin, it hangs up in the air, right? So I threw it. I just heaved it. And God is my witness. There had to be an angel helping me because I do not have that strong an arm. And the, the, the guy that was running thought, oh, there's no way he can throw it that far. So they, when he took off, he just, you know, just kind of jogged you know, in like that. And that ball was... <laughs> Angels in the outfield. And so my friend is at home plate, and he's trying to, you know, uh, pretend like it's not coming, so he just kind of, he's just like this, you know. And then the ball comes, peep, peep, tagged him out, and he went like, what? What happened? I go, I don't know. <laughs> but the two things that I want to apply in the spiritual realm, even though you don't know how it's going to work out, you know the principle because you studied and you, you read the Word of God, you understood a principle, and then you apply it, and then God makes the difference. Even though you want to give up, even though you say, I don't know this, how it's going to work, just keep doing what you think you're supposed to be doing. We, we were at the community center for 12 years. Huh? 12. 12 years, yeah. 12 long years. Okay. <laughs> Pastor, when are you going to get your building? I don't know. I'm just applying myself. I'm just doing the principles, and God will work it out. Amen? And then lo and behold, it happens. So we have to know that what we have in Christ is found in the Bible. And as we apply it in our life, we'll see God work on our behalf. Amen? So we've got where we came from. Where did we come from? Where was our background, religious background? Sinners, right? Who are we now in Christ? We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? And where are we going? We're going where God has preordained that we should go. There's a couple more scriptures here, I think. Let's see. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Okay, these next two is what I want to show you. 
those of you that are new Christians or maybe those that haven't been studying your Bible that much, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. Desire, desire, desire. Do you have a hunger and thirst after knowing what God has promised you and has given to you? If you do, you'll have the milk of the word. But that's not enough. Next scripture says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. How many babes do we have out here? Don't raise your hand. You know what babies do, right? They cry. Very good, Marianne. They said something to me. They, they, they did me wrong. They, they messed up, you know. They owed me money. You know, you got to be strong. He says, but strong meat. What is strong meat? Those are the scriptures that teach you how to be forgiving for uh, considering not your own way, right? Giving heed. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But strong meat belongs to them who are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know, some people say, well, I just can't help myself. They did me wrong. I'm going to talk about it. All right? I'm going to let everybody know. All right? There's an injustice here. Look at me. <laughs> of course, nobody feels that way in this church. Praise the Lord. I got to just speak my mind, okay? When I see wrong, I got to address it, okay? But have your senses exercised to discern what's both good and evil. The Bible says what? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. Are you doing that? Are you operating in love, considering not your own selves? Praise God. So that's what we have to do. And let's see the next scripture. Now, here's what Paul says. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. And when I first saw that, I said, like, what does that mean? I apprehend that which has apprehended me. Johnny, you want to play? <laughs> come, come up here. <laughs> come, come on up here, yeah. Okay, you be God, okay? You, you be God. You try it. Okay, 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 okay. I, I'm going to walk here. You apprehend me, and then you walk away, okay? All right. Paul's walking around. You've got to tap me on the shoulder. I'm running out of space here. Oh, now go away. God, you touched me. God, come back. I'm going to apprehend that which has apprehended me. You got it? He touches you. You ever, you ever touch you in the middle of the day? That's good. You ever? <laughs> got to work on your God, but that's okay. <laughs> Doesn't he touch you? Doesn't he arrest you? And he says, I want to spend time with you. And then you, you can't find him anymore. Where did he go? He wants you to follow after him. Don't you girls want the guys to follow after you? Call me. Be there. Be attentive, right? Follow those that uh, apprehend those that apprehended me. Let's see if there's another scripture in here. So, who are we and what are you supposed to do in life? This is, we're getting towards the end here. Now, you, God, let's skip, let me skip this. Uh, let's go to Revelation. The, the last scripture in Revelation. Okay. 
and we used this a couple of weeks ago. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open. Books, 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 books. Where are those? What books are, is he talking about? The books about you. You have a book in heaven that talks about what you're supposed to do in life. God has a purpose and a plan for you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't that nice? Made for a purpose. What is that purpose? It's on the inside of you. The closer you get to him, the more you'll see and know what God has called you to do. So the books were opened. And another book, which was the book of life, and the dead were judged according to the works by the things which were written in the books. In the books. There's a lot of books written about us that have your name on it. Marianne Canizero. This is what you're supposed to do. Let's see if you did it all. Oh, yeah. Thank God Pastor Chuck was there. <laughs> <laughs> And then Pastor Chuck's book, and thank God Marianne was there. <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. <laughs> Talk about it. <laughs> so everything that you're supposed to be. Okay, let's go back to that counted faithful. So what, what did you do? And we're getting ready to close here. Uh, I think that's First Timothy. There it is. So what I, as soon as I got saved, as soon as I accepted the Lord, I opened up the book. It was so wonderful. The words were so wonderful to me. I wanted to tell somebody else. Don't you want to tell somebody else when you go to a, a good restaurant or you see a good movie or you go to a play or go someplace? Oh, you got to go see this movie or see this play. When I read the book, book I said, I got to tell somebody about this. I, I, it, it was in me so strong, I needed to tell others. But guess what? It took at least 10 years before I even got a chance to preach at the church. Paul himself preached a little bit, but he didn't go on his uh, missionary journeys until 14 years of him being, uh, the Lord downloading into him all the revelation that he was supposed to have. It's a seasoning that you have. But I saw this one scripture that Paul said, and I thank Jesus Christ our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me what? Faithful, putting me into the ministry. Big word, faithful. Are you faithful to him? Are you faithful to his promise? Are you faithful to uh, serving God at church? We serve God by serving people. Do we stop and we meet people on the corners? Do we witness to people? Do we do what God has called us? Are we faithful in worshiping him and reading his word? He says, I thank my God because he has enabled me, because he counted me faithful. You know, I, when I was not a pastor and I was just at going to church, I never missed a Sunday. Never, ever. <laughs> Wednesday, Tuesday, Friday. Friday, Saturday, twice on Sunday, come back on Sunday night. Never missed. You know, I missed one time, and the assistant pastor that was mentoring me, he goes, where were you? I said, oh, I was uh, just at home. I was reading the Bible. I kind of wanted to just kind of, you know, has some alone time, and he looked at me like he said, what? <laughs> alone time? He says, when, when the meal is served, when the banquet table is open, everybody's supposed to be there. You've got to receive nourishment. You don't just go to McDonald's. You, you go to the banquet table. Amen. You don't do a private little fast food, you know, thing. Come to the... So I was faithful continually. 
And God had no recourse but to enable me and put me into the ministry. So the Bible says, last thing, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Isn't that good news? He's working us. And the Bible says that that word means poema or poem or artistry work. He's working on us like a Michelangelo. He's chiseling and he's making us and forming us and making us to be in his image. And you know, there's a lot of lost works or unfinished works about Michelangelo uh, that, that he had started that nobody else could finish because only Michelangelo can do what Michelangelo can do. And God can only do what he can. He's the only one that can do in you what needs to be done. Isn't that good news? He is your, he's making you, forming you. And a lot of times it's the people or the situations that come against us that form us and we see how we react to it. Instead of saying, oh, why did that happen to me? Just say, okay, I'm going to use that to be something for somebody else. Amen? Are you ready? Are you equipped? Where did you come from? What's your heritage? Sinner. I don't care what religion you were. You were a sinner unless you accepted the Lord, right? Who are you in Christ? You're the righteousness of God. You're his ambassador. You're workers together with him. You have his mind. And where are you going? The place that he has designed and destined for you. Can you find it? Where's the map? The map is the Bible. What does the Bible stand for? B-I-B-L-E. Anybody know? Basic instructions before leaving earth. It's our manual. Put it on the inside of you, and God will show you where he wants you to go. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing your word with your people. We thank you that they're encouraged, enlightened, and able to do great works because of what you have done through them and for them and to them because of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, your mercy, and your love. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. If there's anybody here that says, you know, I haven't accepted the Lord or I need to rededicate myself, I want to pray for you just right here. If you just raise your hand, I just want to open up that to you. I see that hand. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, I thank you for those that would come to know you in a better way, stronger way. I thank you that, Lord, you reestablish your presence in their life so that they may know you in a in a more deeper way, so they can serve you with all, your, all of their heart, all of, all of their soul, all of their strength, and all of their might. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.